Trek to Home with Phoenix and Stu. What happens when a Trekkie and a Hoovian get together with a mission to convert each other? Find out as Phoenix and Stu take it in turns to show off episodes of Star Trek and Doctor Who, all with the aim of getting each other to love their show. Experience the highs and lows of each series and come with us for the ride as we travel from Trek to Who. Well, ain't this weird? It's a podcast and it's us. I know, right? Who'd have thought it? It's weird. It's weird. Hi, I'm Stu. And I'm Phoenix. And together we're going to take you through Star Trek and Doctor Who. Not together, that would be an awesome mashup, but it'd be really confusing. So we're going to take it in turns each week, as you might have heard Phoenix just say in the intro there. One of us is a Hoovian, one of us is a Trekkie, and we're going to take it in turns to try and convert each other into loving each other's favourite show. Oh, definitely. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs and good and bad through all of it. But we've got so many episodes of each that we can go through. And for so many reasons, it's going to be great to share it with you. It really is. If you're liking what you're hearing, and if you do like what you hear, then please share our podcast, share the link, share everything to every forum and every realm across the land because we really appreciate it if you do love what you're hearing um phoenix you're up first oh yes and what better place to start than the opening two-parter for star trek voyager i'm talking about caretaker and it's the start of what is personally my favorite star trek series of all time okay why have you chosen apart from it being your favorite why have you chosen to show it to me first Because it's a starting point, it's better than some of the other first episodes that you would come across out there, especially with Star Trek. It's got so many different storylines interwoven into one, which for the beginning of a series is quite unusual in my opinion. Normally it just sort of gives you an overview of what's going on and then will break off into all the smaller chunks later on. But there's four maybe five different interwoven stories at once but it's to the point where it's not too hard to follow as well i find anyway and can't wait to find out what you think i can't wait to find out either what we're going to do then is take a little break you're going to watch it with us hopefully if you want to watch it with us find it on netflix find it on paramount plus find it on dvd i know that amazon sell it not that we're affiliated with amazon but if amazon want to sponsor us please do uh we would really appreciate that as well we'd love it but if you want to follow along please do watch it and then come back to find out what we thought i'm going to post a little supercut of our favorite bits from the episode and us watching it and see what we thought as the episode was going along what we want to do with this podcast is really ramp up the positivity because there's so much negativity in fandom these days what we want to do is go nah, nuts to that we want positivity so we're gonna have a little positivity sandwich if you will we'll have two or three things we loved about the episode then one, two, three things we didn't like, and then another two or three things we loved about the episode. So we're going to finish things every week on a positive note. All right, are you ready then? Ready, Phoenix? I'm ready. Three, two, one. Press play on your streamer or your DVD of choice, Voyager, Season 1, Episode 1. Here's the supercut of what we thought during the episode. 
So there's a lot going on in that intro. A lot. So those three were getting fired on by Cardassians? Yes. Cardassians. The, the Marquis are mostly former Starfleet who aren't very happy with the Federation and the Cardassians signing a peace treaty. So they sort of go off on their own. They're like bandits of sorts that go off on their own. And um, who you saw there was Chakotay, Belala Torres and Tuvok. Mr. All-American Hero here. Ah, Tom Paris. There she is. Love her hair. Uh, love his hair. Very bushy. Yeah, his looks very, very boyish uh, in, the, in this episode. Janeway has more than one hairstyle over the seven seasons. This is how she starts. This guy's a mercenary. Doing bar fights? Sort of. He, he owed a lot of money. When he was kicked out of stuff, he owed a lot of money. You help us find that ship. A nice space station. I believe that was Deep Space Nine. Oh! You're changing my mind about Beta's rights. Good. Oh, that wasn't a compliment. Just not to me. Oh, you can feel his penis from here. <laughs> oh. He's a very horny. He's very flirty. Flirty, yeah. That. That guy's a Ferengi. That's Quark. Yeah. One of the main, one of the main uh, characters you see a lot in Deep Space Nine. I know a species. Indigenous to this region. Second-hand car sells one of the galaxy. Pretty much. The, the Ferengi will sell anything that they can get their hands on for as much as they can sell it for. Very abrasive, Doctor. Yeah. Very, ooh. Yeah, people thought that EMH was bad at times, but no. I don't know what EMH is, but yeah, that guy is awful. Oh, bonsai tree! I like bonsai trees. <laughs> you see a rare glimpse of Janeway's softer side this early on into the series. Is oh, quite, uh, she's lovely. She is. Gentlemen, welcome aboard, Voyager. She's very warm. There you go, the first sort of exploration is the reason why a lot of people don't like Tom Paris. So he had an accident. He, there was a, he caused an accident as a as pilot without meaning to, I don't think. Um, it caused the deaths of three officers. And he falsified reports so that he didn't have to admit it was his fault. And would have gotten away with it had he not got a guilty conscience and then um, confessed, which got him kicked out of Starfleet. Uh, or forced to resign from Starfleet. And then he ended up in prison because of going to the Marquis. <laughs> Oh, he's dead. He's a red shirt. <laughs> Janeway's wearing a red shirt. Ah. If a K 
character. Tom Paris is wearing the if red shirt. There's a character that's not a main character wearing a red shirt. How am I meant to know who the main character is? There's loads of people on this ship. <laughs> no, I know, I know. I was, I was kind of kidding. But it, it was a sort joke of joke to me. Yeah, it's just main character. It, be, it became a sort of joke, especially through TNG, that the red shirts always die. Because if there was an away team that featured a member that wasn't with the main crew, that wouldn't, wasn't one you'd recognise, then 90% of the time they were going to die in that episode. Well, when 90% of your bridge crew are wearing red shirts... Mm. Doesn't it, doesn't, it, it, it doesn't apply in way to Voyager, no. No. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. That's a better one. That's the EMH. He reminds me of Frasier. Yeah, I like him a lot. You know, he really reminds me of like Space Frasier. <laughs> That's one way of describing him, I think. Definitely Space Frasier. So they've been plopped down in Virginia. Sort of. <laughs> Yes, have some dry corn. Yeah, that's... <laughs> the array doesn't really know human, does it? No, but it thinks it does, and that's why they're in the environment they're in. Have some dry corn. No butter. Just corn. Vulcans do not worry. Thanks. I do them. Doomrus is such a great actor. Oh, couldn't that, couldn't have thought of anyone better to play Tuvok. Oh, I think that's as close to seeing a heartbreak as you're going to get from that guy, isn't it? Yes. That is. <laughs> I suggest we proceed to your quarters. Perhaps you would care for a bath. A what? <laughs> I, I love... It's like the anti-Tom and Harry. Neelix is very much the comedy factor of the entire series. And I think he's brilliant. Yeah, already. She notices that there's a hole in her costume that probably shouldn't be there. There's a hole? When she lifted her arm at the back of her right arm near her armpit, it looks like there's a popped seam in her costume. <laughs> she hit the door too hard. Does the caretaker provide your meals too? In fact, he does. He designed and built this entire city for us after the warming. Food processors dispense nutritional supplements every 4.1 intervals. This bit reminds <laughs> me of an old Doctor Who episode. There's an old one from the 60s called The Enemy of the World, where they believe that this benevolent person is protecting them and giving them food and, and opportunities, and they live underground, these subterranean people. They've never been 
above because they believe, like they, these people believe there's a warming. They believe that there's been like a storm, a solar storm or something, radiation, and they can't go up above. But the uh, benevolent person comes down to visit the people in the subterranean saying, I've just been up above, oh, it's still too bad, oh, you can't go up there, oh, but soon I will give you the world as long as you keep working for me and it's all a big con but it just I don't know if that's the same sort of thing as this where the if the caretaker is conning them but it just kind of reminded me that well the show has had a subterranean people relying on a benevolent person yeah it's not that the caretaker is conning them it's what they've been led to believe about the caretaker and about why they live where they live okay Well, someone loves food and stacking plates and cutlery. I love the design. Sir. Ah, Mr. Vulcan. Come in, come in. I want to thank you for your hospitality. Oh, my. I haven't had access to a food rebel. Thank goodness for the invention of bubbles. Yes. I did Neelix in the bath. Uh, I bet there's some porn on the internet devoted to this. <laughs> well, talk about Badlands. The Kazon are, are, are feral. Yes, you could say that. I like this pairing. You've got the weakest member of the crew with the strongest member of the Marquis. That's a good pairing, actually. It's like he can't stand up to her, and she's running rings around him. And it's kind of interesting to see the dynamic there. It is. But now that she's free, we're leaving this system together. Neelix, these people rescued me. I rescued you. With their help. It would be wrong not to help them now. Well, they are good together. Yeah. Oh, he's kind of rash and uh, head, head, headstrong. headstrong. He's the level-headed one. Yeah, level-headed one. She evens him out. That's great. That's perfect. You defy the caretaker by going to the surface, Kess. See, so she can be just as headstrong as needed. But she does it in a very rational way. Yeah, very rational way. And in a way that's not, I'm only out for myself. She's doing it for others. When did this come out? 1995? Yeah. The effects in this are brilliant. And I was really ahead of its time, considering. Yeah. I mean, Star Trek always had been. I know, but... You see some 60s episodes that I've seen, you know, they're basically held together with sellotape. Oh, yeah. And this is like, oh, wow. I'd do better if I had a little Klingon blood in me. Whatever you do, don't touch him. We've been told it'll bring your skin off. Beware of the danger sparkles. <laughs> yeah. Sparklings hurt you. Mr. Paris, take the con. Maintain transporter lock sensors. Emergency beam off status. Hi, Captain. 
So much for being an observer. <laughs> Tom Harris's piloting Voyager. Mm-hmm. Well, needs must. It's extraordinary circumstances. But it must be. Jason must not be allowed to gain control of it. They will annihilate the Akampa. And they were his last words. Wow, that is, uh, should you really be touching that with your hands? Generally. So just casually pick up a crystallised corpse. Shall I activate the program to get us back? And what happens to the Okamba after we're gone? I feel like it could be made of rubber. It feels like I, almost, I can almost feel it. It's like rubbery and smooshy. Yeah, I suppose it does look a bit like that texture, but, but to me it looks more like, you know, when you get like quartz and stuff, yeah. you can go to the shops and buy it, yeah. things like that. It kind of looks a little bit like that kind of thing. Nah, it's... I could just think it's like... It's open to interpretation, I think. Like a bicycle tyre. Yeah, cool. In my opinion, one of the best Star Trek opening episodes ever. Yes. I've seen the very first original series Star Trek uh, episode, the one where they are beamed to a planet that doesn't exist. Basically, it's all kind of a hologram, and there are these people with giant brains. Uh... And it's not Captain Kirk, it's Pike. Captain Pike. Captain Pike, yes, it's Captain Pike. But it's, I was thinking the actor that played him, it's Jeffrey Hunter. And he's brilliant. He shines in that episode and he makes it work. He's kind of stressed and he's under pressure. And he's got a good relationship with his doctor, uh, which isn't Bones. But there is Spock. And uh, yeah, that's, I don't know which one's my favourite now. Because that's the, uh, okay. In third place, we've got Encounter at Farpoint. That's not... Hopefully, Next Generation gets better, because I watched that, and I I was like, okay, I'm not... uh, Picard is really spiky. He's not likeable. He hates kids. It it does get better. He doesn't like his number one. Uh, That also changes. So I don't want to spoil too much, uh, in case some of our listeners haven't actually watched it. Um, and I know you haven't watched all of it either, so I don't want to spoil too much for you, because no doubt by the time we've been doing this for quite some time, you'll have seen a number of episodes of it by then. It does get better, I promise you. Um, but still, for me, nothing will ever beat Voyager when it comes to Star Trek. It is my all-time favourite. And that is why I wanted to start with Caretaker. I love the fact that Janeway is so welcoming. She's so warm. She's electric in every scene. She just lights up the the room. She lights up uh, the farmland that when they were in. Oh, yeah. in she's she very lights motherly. up. Yeah, she's. Oh, she is. She's amazing. She's amazing. All right, then let's uh, let's decamp, and let's discuss what we liked and what we disliked. If we disliked anything about Caretaker. 
So before we go into what we thought of the episode, the things we loved, the things we maybe didn't love quite so much, just a little bit of background about the episode itself. So Caretaker is the first episode of Star Trek Voyager, first broadcast on the 16th of January 1995. 28 years old this week! I know, crazy isn't it? It was later split into two parts for syndication, so when it was re-shown on television, the two parts of this episode would be split and shown separately. But on the DVD releases and the streaming releases, it has been put back together as one long feature-length episode if you will, uh, one hour and 28 minutes in total, approximately, give or take a few seconds either way. And it follows the adventures of Starfleet and the Mucky crew that come together at the end of the episode as they are stranded in the Delta Quadrant, far from the rest of the Federation. And it sort of it explores how and why they got stuck in the Delta Quadrant and the decisions made that actually keep them there which makes the series what it is because the whole thing is centered around voyager getting back to earth their journey home and all the adventures they get on in between because let's face it the federation love exploration and they can't help but stop at almost every little thing along the way we will find out more about that as the podcast goes on because no doubt there'll be many more voyager episodes coming up later in the podcast including my favourite two-parter, which will be coming up uh, in a little while. We won't do it too soon to Caretaker. And personally, Voyager's always been my favourite of all the Star Treks, but I've watched a fair few in my time, probably not as much as Stu has with Doctor Who. I think, to be fair, you're pretty much seen almost every episode up to a certain point. Yeah, uh, my certain point is Jodie Whittaker's season two. <laughs> yeah. I keep falling down on that, I'm sorry. I don't know. You say I'm a Whovian, might as well just uh, hand my membership card back, you know. I'm not part of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society, but if they want to rescind my virtual membership, then there you go. I've got to watch Jodie Whittaker's season two, I know I do. You've, you've even seen that. I have, actually, funnily enough. I have, which is probably even more interesting that it's the other way around, considering the premise of this podcast in the first place. You can try and convert me to liking season two of Jodie Whittaker when it comes out. Um, right. Right, so that was Caretaker, episode one of Star Trek Voyager. Stu, what are a few things you loved about that episode? If there are any, of course. I hope there are. <laughs> there are loads. Well, I've got a few notes written down here in my big red book. I love the titles and the music. Okay, that's the first thing that I that I wrote down. That I love the titles and the music. It just it's soaring. It's one of those themes that lifts you up and it takes you away. I know that's a really naff thing to say, but I love it. It's just it makes my soul soar. It sounds a bit weird saying that, but it does. It makes my soul feel free. That's a a beautiful piece of music. It's Jerry Goldsmith. Yes, and I think I know what you mean about that as well, because I could listen to that theme on loop for hours and not get bored of it. And I know that it's the only Star Trek theme to be released on CD single, not counting Going Where My Heart Will Take Me. Of course. (laughs) Less said about that, the better at the moment. We all know my opinion on that. I love the song. 
Oh, me too. I, I, am I not? A, am I not a Trekkie now? It's <laughs> even even to a lot of Trekkies, that song is not Trek. We will get into that on another episode of the podcast because we are talking Trek theme tunes here, and so it is very relevant. And I will be giving my personal opinion on that uh, on another episode. My first like, though, apart from the titles and the music, first one I've written down under likes is Janeway. Just Janeway. She lights up every scene that she's in. She is electric. She powers through. You believe every word that she's saying. The captain is the captain on a ship gone mega roll. And from the moment she burst into... uh, uh, Tom Paris's uh, well he wasn't training was he he was fixing no, he was, an engine was, or something yeah he was uh, there in, in the prison from the second she turned up and she said Tom Paris Captain Janeway as you as you heard in the supercut I just said yeah there she is she's the boss she oh yeah love Janeway absolutely love Janeway and I love the bromance between Tom and Harry one of the things that I noticed above my likes column is is Tom Paris the main character? <laughs> because he seems to have all the screen time. Apart from Janeway, it's the Tom Paris show. In Caretaker, there is a lot of Tom Paris, yes. Um, I think there's a reason behind that that I'll get into in a moment when we've heard a few more of your likes. But I do love the bromance between him and Harry. He kind of lifts Harry up, stops it from getting scammed by the Ferengi in the bar... Oh yeah, good old Quark. Yeah, and uh, he just yeah. Uh, from then, I thought yeah, those two are going to be like firm friends. You know, you could see it. It's like they get each other, and I get their bromance, and it's like yes. Um, and it leads into my third one. Before we go into uh, the dislikes, there were only a couple of dislikes. Um, it feels like a family. It's a family in space. Yeah. I can see that. You've got the weird uncle, the doctor, the EMH. Is that oh, it? yes. Yeah. You've got the weird uncle, doctor. You've got the dad, Chakotay. You've got the mum, Janeway. You've got your cool older brother, Tom Paris, and your little nerdy younger brother, Harry Kim. And, you know, you've got your your really brash teenage sister that's acting out Balana. you know. She's really bolshy, and she's really stressy, and she's listen to heavy metal music and you can imagine her just storming up to her bedroom slamming the door going I hate you I hate you all and then coming down later on going I'm so sorry it was hormones I'm so sorry and yeah you've got all the family bits all in this one episode and it's just like I love it I love the family in space I want to be part of the family I do should I go on to dislikes yeah Okay, um, I know it's a positive podcast, but there are so many characters in this episode. If you didn't know who were going to be the main characters, you were easily might easily get lost in this episode. There were so many, especially because all of the crew die, basically. Uh, yeah, a lot of the crew you meet in the, in the beginning do. I mean, the original Doctor, the original First Officer, the original Helmsman... Um, I'm sure a couple of the engineers do as well. Oh, you see that because Janeway goes down into the warp core of the engine and she uh, has a couple of uh, engineers down there. So they must have been hanging over the console when it exploded. Yeah, exactly. So there are quite a lot of deaths. But that makes way for the Marquis crew that they um, rescued, shall we say, or captured, or however you want to call it, for them to then join 
the crew because otherwise they probably would have had too many people for what the ship can hold because it originally only had a crew of 141 people. How do you know that? It said it in the episode. Did it? It did. Crew complement 141 when they're in the shuttle when you can easily get distracted by Tom Paris being flirty rather than listening to what the lady shuttling the pilot is actually saying about the ship. Uh, yes. Uh, Tom Paris in that scene is very easily distracting and that's one of the dislikes that I put down on that one. I'll have to go through your dislikes. It's going to be interesting because you are the Trekkie so it's going to be interesting to find your dislikes to go through those. My other dislike... I did put Balana down, but I'm going to change my mind because uh, I like the fact that she kind of mellowed out by the end and she was wearing a Federation uniform at the last bit when Janeway was doing her speech. I see her in the background wearing the Federation uniform, so she kind of calmed down and accepted her position as a member of the Federation at the end. So I'm going to cross that out and just say that the sickness and disease that Harry and Balana had on their hands and body just disappeared. Yeah, and that is uh, what the hell happened. I mean, they one minute they're dying of it and they can barely move, and they're in the underground tunnel and they're going ah 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 like that, and they can barely you know get a word out. And the next minute they're back in you know Voyager, and it's gone. And there's no mention of the EMH healing them. There's no mention whether it was the transporter that healed them somehow. It just went. I mean, to, I think to explain that, the EMH did heal them in a way. They, they have got the technology to do that in the series and that they can heal broken bones in an instant, all that kind of thing as well, like Chakotay's broken leg. Did you see it um, you, you didn't necessarily see it as such, but the fact that the EMH was stood next to Balana and tried to make Balana stay when they were all leaving sickbay goes to show she was mid-treatment. So although the um, aesthetic part of it had gone, there may have been residual effects within the body still when she left sickbay. So it wasn't like she was completely healed. But little details like that are hard to miss unless you really know Trek. So I can understand you thinking, oh, what on earth happened there? Why have they suddenly healed? Because you haven't watched Trek as much as I have. And that's what this podcast is about. You need to make a leap there, don't you? Like them on the stairs at the end of the episode. You need to make a leap of faith. Yeah, definitely. You you, you need to sort of look at it with an open mind because there's a lot of artistic license in there as well. The, The way they do things obviously is going to be different to what you'd normally think because it's set so far in the future. So everything's going to be things you don't understand. A lot of the scientific terms will be made up but made to sound really convincing because of what you're watching and that in itself makes it a little bit hard to follow in places but if you hear it enough in the context it's intended to be in within the show you'll sort of understand what it's supposed to mean to a certain extent if you know what I mean okay let's round it off with the other piece of bread in the positivity sandwich here my likes Neelix Oh yes, I just uh, just like Janeway, I put Neelix. I loved every scene he was in, every single one. If you want a character to start strong, Neelix. He's weird. He's funny. I love his relationship with Tuvok. I, I yeah, that's he. He's funny without being overbearing. Maybe he might get overbearing if he's 
one note and the shtick carries on from episode to episode but that is like a perfect comedy relief character introduction and i loved his relationship with uh hairdo kes kes yes the ocampa the ocampa yes the water people um <laughs> I suppose I've never heard them called the Water People before. Well, maybe the Kazon were the Water People at the end of the day, but you well, know. they were the ones that wanted the water, and they were trying to get down to the Ocampa settlement to steal the water because it, they could no longer get any on the surface because of the damage done to the planet they were living on. Right, I kept that because it was like a desert planet. Yeah, and it was like nothing there. But I did. Okay, I I hated the fact that you saw Kes beaten up. Yeah. at the beginning I mean that won't fly nowadays I don't think man I haven't seen Discovery I haven't seen Picard maybe there is episodes of torture and scenes of that sort of thing but you know to me that's like oh I mean your heart does go out to it. yeah her. I mean I'm, I'm, I'm glad in a way that it's only the injuries that you see and not what caused those injuries oh yeah that's too much because that would be too much um, but seeing injuries like that isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world if for the storyline if you know what i mean but it, at the same time it does make you feel sorry for the character and that's intended you're supposed to feel sorry for her i do and that's exactly how it's supposed to happen so yeah i i, I agree with pretty much everything you've said with that um with with my likes i've also put janeway and <laughs> underlined it and the sort of redemption slash acceptance story arc of Tom Paris himself where he came onto the ship knowing nobody would like him because of what he'd done in the past and then Harry sort of seeing past that and being like well no it's up to me what I think of you not what everyone else is saying to the point where he's then given his field commission at the end of the episode and properly accepted onto the onto the crew as a fully fledged member rather than just an observer that did feel good so it's all like yeah, he really did earn that I mean he saved Chakotay's life he was in the away team. For an observer, he did a lot that you wouldn't expect someone who was only there to observe to do. He jumped in like a member, of the, like a bog standard member of the crew would, and I think that's why he got given the field commission. And that was something that I really, really liked. And obviously, Neelix with the comedy factor as well. Um, what I didn't like about it so much, um, I think, was a lot of people have said, you know, Janeway's decisions some of the decisions that she makes you think well what are you doing that's only going to make your situation worse but then of course you've got to think if she hadn't have made those decisions there wouldn't have been seven seasons of voyager they had to pave the way for all those adventures by making them stay stuck in the delta quadrant if they'd have got home again on the same episode it wouldn't have been the same and it would have ended up turning into another next generation where they're able to travel to and from earth and all around that quadrant easily and they're not lost so although they're having adventures they're not sort of on a bigger mission aside that whereas with Voyager the whole getting home is the overall big umbrella of it and all the little adventures they have in between are just along the way so they had to pave the way for that but sometimes I felt a couple of the decisions were maybe a little bit far-fetched not just in this episode but in general but in this episode I think destroying the array they may have been able to do something with it so that the Kazon couldn't use it but then still keep it there um, in some way to try and still activate the device and although it wouldn't maybe not have sent them home it may have got them a bit closer 
So, because that's another thing, another recurring theme, trying to find ways of making shortcuts home um, without saying too much so I don't spoil any other episodes. But um, I absolutely love Balana. She's one of my favourite characters because she makes me think of myself. Because most of the time I'm very mellow, very chilled out, but if you get on the wrong side of me, I've got a heck of a temper. Yep, that's very true. But normal you is nice. Normal Balana is angry you. Yeah, she's she's the reverse of me. So she's got the two sides just like I have, but on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you know what I mean. So that's why I love Balana. But I also I love the EMH because he's just he's very blunt, he's to the point, but very funny. Oh, I forgot. I called him you know, I called him during the during the watch. Space Frasier. Yes. He is Space Frasier. I love Frasier, one of my favourite comedies. And the fact that he's so highbrow and he gets things wrong and he, you know, ends up with egg on his face all the time because his hoity toitiness gets the better of him. The EMH is Space Frasier. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that actually, but He's another interesting character because he becomes a main character throughout the series as well um, with his own development and uh, story arcs and the character development there we'll see in future episodes um, is just incredible. But for a debut, I mean, even little witty remarks like, doesn't anybody know how to turn me off when they leave the room? You know, like he's a light switch or something. It just I was just about to come on to that. You said about yeah. character development. Yeah. How do you develop... A hologram. Ah, well, I don't want to give too much away because, uh, as I said, we will be watching future episodes um, of Voyager. But he tries to become a little bit more human, as it were, in air quotes. And well, it would be air quotes with him. There's nothing there. Fiddles around with the circuitry that creates him and his programming and things like that to develop certain aspects of character and personality and things like that but also later on in Voyager because uh, for the first four seasons you've got Kess and then without explaining um, without me spoiling how or why she leaves she leaves and is replaced by Seven of Nine that's when the Doctor really comes out of his shell the EMH because the relationship he has with Seven of Nine is incredible and there will be some episodes that I will want to play later on in the podcast that will pick up on that and really show how different most of the crew are but especially the MH from Caretaker to that particular point Wow so next time we do the podcast do you have a clue what your next Star Trek episode will be? Yes I do Are you going to let us know that? I'm going to be going for an episode from season four of Deep Space Nine called Rejoined. I'll tell you more about it at the end of the next podcast to trail ahead to that one, which will be episode three of the podcast. Right then, episode two will come out in a fortnight's time. If you're elsewhere in the world, that's two weeks away because we take a week to edit and then we publish one every fortnight. It's kind of a little flow that we've got going on uh, one week will be Star Trek then we'll have a break, then the next week will be Doctor Who, we have a little break so in a couple of weeks time I'm not going for the pilot episode of Doctor Who I could, because the pilot episode exists, the very first studio recording of the pilot episode, it still exists, so many Doctor Who episodes were wiped in the 60s 70s, 
and uh, this one, the pilot, still exists. But no, I'm not doing that. Nah. Uh, I'm going to make it easy on you. You showed me your favourite, your pilot episode of your favourite Star Trek, yeah? Yes. I'm going to go for Doctor Who episode from a season that's not really that well thought of by fans. Okay, interesting. It's a season that comes off the back of a terrible record called Doctor in Distress. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, and (laughs) (laughs) they forced Colin Baker out, they put Sylvester McCoy in, and the following season, we've got the most celebrity-packed kind of... Oh, how can you explain it? Uh, Let's put this face in Doctor Who because it might boost the ratings. Yeah, they were constantly trying to claw back the popularity they'd lost over the previous season and with that terrible record and so they were getting desperate and putting as many famous faces in as they could it was just like a whole melee of this one and this one and this one and this one and this one just you wait until you find out who plays the toll man in season 24's delta and the bannermen looking forward to it it's set in a holiday camp it's like butlins nice features alien baby alien mummy and a Welsh teenager who falls in love with Alien Mummy. Okay, then. And they're going to get chased by these bounty hunters. And then the Doctor, who's only just regenerated, you've got to remember that, just regenerated, and he's got this really irritating assistant who you might recognise. Right. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Okay. But you might recognise her, maybe. Uh, she had a fleeting little appearance in the last special of Doctor Who. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Fleeting little one. Just a little one. She was in the group at the end, Graham's group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though I haven't seen Jodie Whittaker's season two, I love the heck out of The Power of the Doctor. Oh, definitely. Oh, If you want to do a regeneration story right, that's the way to do it. Oh, you know, I, can't, I can talk about Doctor Who until the cows come home. This isn't the Doctor Who bit. Star Trek Voyager bit. I love Caretaker. You... Oh, I definitely love Caretaker, and I'm really glad that you did as well. So uh, that's actually a really good start, actually. Really is. As the weeks go on, we're going to be ranking these episodes in their own little personal top 10, top 50, top 100s. So obviously we can't do that at the moment. There's only one episode of Caretaker, one episode of Star Trek you've shown me. So it's going to go right there in the middle. It's even, you could say it's at the bottom if you're a pessimist. You can say it's at the top if you're an optimist. Or if you're a realist, it's right in the middle of the of the list so far because yeah. it's the only one. It is, but as we go on and show more and more episodes, not just of Voyager but of all the rest of Trek, because there's so much to go through. Same with Doctor Who; there are literally hundreds and hundreds of episodes. It's going to be really difficult to pick like a top ten or a top twenty even of episodes, but I think at a certain point we will be ranking what we've got. So we'll have sort of like a a round-up, our ranking as an episode after a certain point, and then we'll carry on with some more, and then we'll go back and look at that and see if it's changed with the ones that we've seen since, and we'll keep doing that every now and then to break it up a little bit as well. And, well, we really hope that you enjoyed episode one of Trek to Who. If you want to find us online, you can on Twitter and Instagram. Stu is determined198 
on Twitter, and I am Dragon's Tooth eighty nine, capital D, capital T. And on Instagram, Stu is Mundane Insane, all one word. And I am Burning Phoenix eighty nine with an underscore in between Burning and Phoenix, and Phoenix is spelt with a Y because I'm different. I've been Stu. And I've been Phoenix. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. And we'll see you sometime around the nearest star. Bye.